Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chels, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming into your new speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm Jackie from Houston, and I have Rahul here from Connecticut. This week, we have a special episode. We're not talking about Premier League, we're talking about the FA Cup. So Rahul, how are you doing with this? I'm doing good. Excited for the FA Cup and and going away from the Premier League for a weekend. Yeah, something different to be excited about and kind of watch. Yeah, totally. And and the magic of the FA Cup. So excited to see some of the games. Yeah, absolutely. Why don't you take us through it? Yeah, so this season marks the 140th edition of the FA Cup. The FA Cup is actually the oldest football tournament. It started in 1871 and has grown significantly since then. Initially, it was just a, a competition for uh, the, the British people. But since then, it's been broadcasted and, and viewed all over the world. And you can hear that when some of the foreign players and managers come into England and talk about watching it on their TVs over the weekend. So the the uh, mystique and, and the aura of the FA Cup has grown. And... and it's a really fun tournament. It runs usually through uh, May, but it actually, most people may not know, starts in August. So the qualifying rounds where some of the lower league teams come in and, and try to get into to the FA Cup starts in August. And then they start the first round in November. Uh, and the third round, which we're about to kick off this weekend, is the one where the Premier League and the championship teams come in. So... A long tournament, but one that has yielded some surprise results in the past. So definitely an interesting one. Yeah, and I vaguely remember Jose Mourinho on his first season talking about the FA Cup and him watching it as a boy in Portugal. So that goes to show how far back it goes and how wide it travels. And speaking of foreign people watching the FA Cup, you and I grew up on the FA Cup because Chelsea are very, very successful in this particular competition. Yes, they are. And... and... They most recently won it in 2018, but what did you say earlier? They were maybe third highest or fourth highest in the competition overall? Yeah, so I can give you a quick rundown of who the team with the most FA Cups is. It actually goes to Arsenal. They have 14 FA Cup wins in history and seven runner-ups. So you can tell they actually take the FA Cup pretty seriously. And actually, in second place, not too far behind them, is the famous Manchester United with 12 FA Cup wins and eight runner-ups. So they've participated quite heavily in that tournament as well. And in third place, us. We've got eight wins with five runner-ups. And a fun fact, we actually only had one win until 1997. And since then, we've had seven wins. So we've actually taken it pretty seriously in most recent history and and dominating it really, really well. And we've also had five runner-ups. And in fifth place sits Tottenham Hotspur, which is an interesting name here. They also have eight wins with one runner-up coming up, but a lot of this is back in um, older times. So they're definitely due an FA Cup win. So this could get very exciting this season. Yeah, very exciting indeed. And I'm sure Liverpool will want to win it this season as well. Jurgen Klopp hasn't won a domestic cup trophy. So I'm sure he's targeting one of those and this could be that season yeah for sure because they are doing pretty well and I think we should talk about Liverpool since you talked about them 
and kind of transition to that. So why don't you run us through what happened in that game? Yeah, so Liverpool played Aston Villa, opened up the FA Cup weekend. And an interesting game in that Aston Villa's first team squad and coaches had to isolate. So no one from their 25-man squad for the first team or any of their coaches were present at this game. Do you know, I didn't watch the game. I did get a little pop-up on my phone saying Liverpool beat Aston Villa 4-1. And I know Aston Villa actually thumped them early in the Premier League. So I wasn't surprised that Liverpool came back and beat them 4-1. I just kind of put it to the side. When I looked at the whole review of the game later, and I realized not a single first name on the on the team sheet, I kind of dug into a little bit, and I was actually very, very surprised. Initially, I was like, Aston Villa don't care about the FA Cup. They're just going to throw in the kids to play against Liverpool. But no, you're right. They did have some issues. They did have to isolate. I personally was very surprised that the FA nor Aston Villa didn't make any statements about potentially postponing the game. I feel like that's kind of interesting. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I did too. And I I really thought they would postpone this game to give Villa the time to at least recover some of those first team squad players. But the game went ahead and and then I sat back for for a second and thought about it. And I realized that Villa have to play Spurs in the Premier League uh, next week. And and I think Tuesday or Wednesday, and then they have a weekend game again in the Premier League. So the schedule is so packed right now that I guess there just wasn't any room to have this game postponed. And so instead of just forfeiting it, like teams have done in the past earlier this season, uh, they just decided to field a younger squad and give them a day out and, and get some experience, which in hindsight isn't a bad thing for these guys because they'll learn so much from this game versus playing an academy game. Oh, for sure. Definitely not a bad thing to have your youth come out and step up to the champions of England. I think my point, and we shouldn't drag on this too long, is there's obviously a financial motive to playing the FA Cup and going deep in the competition. So Aston Villa not having their first team squad to have a true run at it is a little bit sad, but definitely I can understand your reasoning behind it. Yeah, and and the financial aspect on the FA side is that they want all their tournaments to go ahead and end and for them to make the TV money. So that's a, a, a discussion for another day. But uh, kudos to to the Villa team and, and Louis Barry gets the goal for them. And they go into halftime at least 1-1. They obviously went ahead and lost the game. But like I said, a great experience for them. Yeah, absolutely. So let's move on to some of the other games from this this weekend that are, that are coming up in uh, a bunch of games. And, and like I said, a lot of championship teams and Premier League teams come in in this round. So uh, we'll focus on just a few of those games. And let's talk about Arsenal versus Newcastle first. Yeah, great to see two Premier League teams matched up against each other. Because the beauty of the FA Cup for anybody who has not followed it is you can actually get drawn up against players and teams from different divisions. And it it actually does make it very competitive, but it's always lovely to see two Premier League teams fighting. And we already know from some of our recent episodes and Arsenal's games that they're in good form. So this is going to make for a fun, fun competition. Now, also, form goes out the window when you come into a cup tournament. You get to rotate players. You get to play with the freedom. There's no points, no relegation. It's a knockout-style competition. You just have to show up and play your best that day. So... Usually this is is some of those competitions where it's a David and Goliath thing. And 
a lot of times there are upsets where some smaller clubs, no disrespect to any of them, can really pull it through. And they're all gunning for that extra win and that extra financial incentive to move on in the FA Cup. Yeah, and, and this season they've, I believe, scrapped out the replays, which usually was the case in the past where, at least in the initial rounds, third, fourth, fifth, if you tied the game, the first game, you would go play a replay at, at, at the away team's home stadium. So they've scrapped that out, and that only means more exciting one-off games like you just mentioned. And so with Newcastle coming off of a, a draw with Liverpool towards the end of last year, I'm sure they fancy themselves to get something out of this and, and maybe qualify for the next round. Yeah, absolutely. And I hope that they give it, they give it their all. And I hope both teams give it their all because it always makes for sparks and an interesting game to watch. Yeah, and, and on Arsenal's side, they come in as the defending champions, having won it just in August. So I'm sure they want to hold on to that crown and, and continue their good form. Yeah. So another game that comes into mind and... I know there's a bunch of games and, and we want to focus on just a few of them, but Manchester United versus Watford. And so that's a Premier League championship matchup and Watford, who just went down, got relegated from the Premier League, uh, come back and face Manchester United. Yeah, that should be a fun game because Watford are no easy side to play. They did unfortunately get relegated, but they do perform and do a really good job when playing against some of the big sides. And Manchester United are coming off a loss as well. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But I think when you get these little teams coming up to play, especially when you make it to the Theatre of Dreams, for example, it's going to make for a fun matchup. Yeah, totally. And Watford are doing okay. They're sixth in the championship table, but they have some of their uh, Premier League experienced players still with them, like Troy Deeney, Ben Foster, and so I'm sure they're up for this game and, and they'll give United a, a, a tough challenge. Yeah, and, and rightly so. They should be coming up and giving their all. Agreed. Um, so let's move on to, before we get into the Chelsea game, there is one game that's very intriguing, and that is Marine FC versus Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah, that's an interesting one. So... If you don't know Marine FC, and I must confess, I did not know Marine FC until today when we prepared for things like this, which is what we love doing about this podcast. It just opens up our minds to different things. Marine FC are in the eighth division of all of the English competitions, which is pretty significant, which means you're talking about players that don't necessarily play full-time. You're talking about salaries that are not even close to the salaries that the Premier League players are making. You're talking about youth. You're talking about old players. You're talking about a mix of maybe semi-professional players. And for them to be coming against Tottenham Hotspur, who is going to go visit their stadium, it's an extremely big deal because of the financial impact that a club like Tottenham Hotspur visiting a small club like Marine can bring. And really, it's all about the TV rights. When there's a, when there's a game going to be televised, they all get paid a slice of the money, and that's great to actually support a small club like that. But also, in the recent year that we've had with all the things going on, a club like them have not had the opportunity to have fans come in and help support the club. So this one's going to be huge for them, no matter the result. And these boys are going to just go out and give it the all because they're super excited. Yeah, it's it's an it's an exciting time for them, and I was reading that 
when Tottenham travel to Rosette Park, which is where Marine play, uh, they will be changing and, and their locker room would be in the uh, travel arena bar. So <laughs> imagine the likes of Harry Kane and Son and Lloris and, and even Jose Mourinho giving his team talk in, in a bar. And, and that's only possible in the FA Cup. So absolutely. It's 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 very exciting and like I said, it's the magic of the FA, FA Cup and I'm sure Marina totally up for it. No matter what happens at the end, they're gonna give it their all and enjoy the day. And they're based in the Merseyside of part of the of, of England. So coincidentally, Liverpool, who are also in that part, have provided Marine some footage of of analysis of Tottenham and how they play. So Jurgen Klopp may be trying to help take out one of his rivals for for this uh competition yeah that's really funny you know i was hoping that in any other year maybe the marine players and the tottenham players could go grab a pint after the game but unfortunately with with the year we're in i don't think that's going to happen but always the magical moments when you can see two teams like this play and remember i said it's a goliath versus david thing anything can happen in the fa cup totally and and it's I'm I'm definitely going to tune in just for the aspect of seeing Marine play and and they're one of the oldest teams as well. They founded in 1894, so they're this is must be a rewarding and, and exciting day for them. Absolutely. So let's move on to our game, and we played Morecambe on Sunday morning here in the U.S. and and an early kickoff in in the U.K. And so Jackie. I know we'll do a deeper dive into this game and we've had a little bit of trouble coming in to this game in the Premier League, but I think this is a good distraction. Hopefully, fingers crossed, a good distraction if we win. Uh, but who would you play in this game? Yeah, I think it needs to be a chance for some of the players that don't necessarily get a game for, for multiple reasons. One is you need your first team to necessarily get a break from all the football they've been playing. But also it's a chance to reward some of these other players on getting getting competition and, and actual game time. So for me in goal, I would probably pay, play Kepa. I think he needs a run out. And actually, I listened to Frank Lampard's interview. He's actually saying Kepa has been training extremely well and has had a wonderful attitude around the grounds, which is good to hear, especially since he's been dropped recently. We all know the story. At right back, I don't know if Reese James is fit or not. But potentially that means Aspiliqueta will have to come in and continue playing it right back. And then in center back, I would love to see Tomori, the return of Tomori. Uh, the young man has just not had a look in, so it's a little bit unfortunate. We know Christensen's injured, so Rudiger should come in and, and fill in that spot. At left back, I really don't think Alonso's going to get a run out, but I think Emerson deserves a run out. So hopefully Chilwell can sit this one out. That's my hope. And then, of course, if we're playing the standard formation, Billy Gilmore has to get a game, potentially with Jorginho or Kovacic. So you've still got a dis- decent pivot. And then you've got to have your three behind with, I think he's going to surprise us because I've been looking at some of the news. He's got some youth coming in with training. He's got the two Tinos, um, Tino and Joran. And then there's a second Tino that I forget his last name who will play. And potentially, I think this is a good game for someone like Tammy Abraham to start up front and really get some game time. Yeah, that's a strong lineup. And I, I think that's one that we need to at least start with to build some confidence, feel good about what we're doing in the, in this game. 
And hopefully if we're a few goals up, definitely bring some of these new new younger players in. Uh, like you said, Tino Andrewin, who earlier played this uh, in, in the Champions League game. Tino Livramento was the other guy you mentioned. Yep. Uh, and he actually plays as a right back. So give Aspilicueta an hour or so, and, and if things are going well in terms of the result, then, then put uh, Tino on and let him kind of make his case for that right back position. We also have Lewis Bate, central midfielder. So I think he would get some minutes, hopefully. And then Henry Lawrence as well is in the squad, and he could play either right or left back. So an exciting time and great for these guys to be part of even just training and, and making a case for themselves. So I agree with that starting 11 at least, and I hope we can build our confidence, get some goals, and and then throw on some of the younger players and maybe even some of the other big guys to to get some confidence. Yeah, so I, firstly, I must admit, it took me a little bit and a, and a little bit of research to figure out how to pronounce Morecambe's name. It was an interesting name. They are also in the third division or what is called as EFL League Two. So it's not the same as maybe a Tottenham versus a Marine like we've just covered, but there is a significant gap as far as status, monetary value, salaries, all the same things we covered with Tottenham, which is why we're kind of promoting some of the youth playing. But I think what Rahul's referring to is maybe looking at some of the players who have low morale or low performance in the last few games. And I think that's a good discussion to kind of have at this moment in time, because like I said, I was listening to Frank Lampard's interview today, and he was actually asked directly point blank about Timo Werner. And if Timo was going to start this game on the basis of, because again, no disrespect to Morecambe, but because it is Morecambe, would this be a good game for him to get his feet wet and potentially put a couple of goals in the net and build his own confidence back up? Or is it the chance to fully, fully rest him where he just gets to sit this one out completely? And Frank didn't really, he was kind of coy about the answer. So I'd like to get your thoughts on where your head's at with that question. Would you play Timo Werner in this game in some form or fashion, start him off the bench, a couple of minutes? Let me know what you think. You know what, when we did the Man City uh, review and, and we were giving our, our feedback on that game and, and Timo Werner had an awful game, to be honest, I was of the opinion that let's put him out there and let him play this game, at least start this game and build some confidence back. But having sat on that result and having thought about it a little more, I think it's just better for him to take this time it would be a week since our Man City game to this FA Cup game to just not be involved in that game at all. Let him stay away, train behind the scenes, get a couple of days rest, which they all the squad did, and come back ready, focused to go again against Fulham and, and, and some of the other games that we have coming and let Tammy Abraham, like you said, play this game. Uh, Giroud should probably feature at some point but again I go back to the young guys and I don't want to do that too much because I don't want to put pressure on them but we have a young kid in Jude Soon Suk Bell who's coming through the academy and recently just broke a record that was over 50 or 60 years in the under 23 FA Cup where he scored a hat trick so give those guys a chance at this game let them feel good about themselves and Timo Werner doesn't get the focus on him if in case he doesn't score, doesn't perform. 
and it gives him a chance to just get away for a little bit. Yeah, and the name you mentioned, Jude Sunsupel, is only 16 years old. So how wonderful it would, would it be for him to make his first team debut and even pinch a goal? We don't know. So I 100% agree with your analysis. I would love to see Timo get the last 10, 15, 20 minutes maybe to pinch a goal. But if somebody's not in the right mental state and the amount of football he's played on the left wing, the right wing, behind the striker, as the striker, this might be a good opportunity for him to get a good, good rest. Now, you do train, so it's not like you're getting a complete physical rest, but that spotlight, that mental awareness, that match fitness or game fitness, you need to kind of get a full break from that. So your analysis is spot on. I really do hope he doesn't make the match day squad and gets a full break. But maybe a Kai Havertz, who has been sitting out several games, might have the opportunity to come in and start. I didn't pick him in my starting lineup, but I'm not the manager for his, and he may want to see if the last time Kai played against lesser opposition, with again, with full, dis- full respect, he scored a hat-trick. So maybe a Kai Havertz comes in to build his confidence up. Yeah, and this could also be a game to try something different in that Kai maybe plays right behind the striker, whoever it is, Tammy or Zeru, or even Jude uh, Bell. But maybe try Kai in a more natural position of what he's done at Leverkusen and see how he performs. Yeah, and again, they don't have to play all 90 minutes. They can get a little bit of a run out here and there. And if he does the job, gets a goal, maybe pull him off. And, and the main thing right now is that mental confidence that Frank Lampard himself said today that he and his coaching staff are working through to try and build back into his team. So again, it's a good break from the Premier League. We've struggled. We've all talked and highlighted our struggles recently. I, for one, I'm looking forward to this. Again, no disrespect to Morecambe, but I am excited to watch this game. Yeah, me too. And and like you said, they don't have to play 90 minutes because five substitutes are available in the FA Cup. So play that to our advantage and and give these guys a run up, maybe a Havertz or whoever he picks will support. But yeah, it's a good discussion. So let's move on from this game. Do you have, just before we move on, do you have a prediction score? I hate doing predictions lately, to be honest with you, but I'll give it a shot. With all respect to Morecambe, we should have enough firepower, even in our youth, to pinch this one 3 now. That's a good result. I think hopefully maybe a few more goals, maybe a 5-0, 4-0, but I'll take a 1-0 too. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, on paper, it should be a 4 or 5 or 6 even. However, just on the basis of searching for confidence, I think the main goal here is to get the win. And if we can get some of the other players in and around and involved and maybe a youth player scoring a goal, that would be the cherry on top. Yeah, we, we shall see. But wishing the team and, and the young guys all the best for Sunday. So let's move on, Jackie. We've covered one of the uh, English Cups, but the other one just completed its semi semifinals, and that was the Carabao Cup or the EFL Cup or the League Cup, whatever you want to call it. And so let's talk through some of those games. So let's start with Spurs versus Brentford. So you and I growing up actually called it the Carling Cup. I vaguely remember that as well. So there's so many names for this cup and it just gets renamed every few years. 
now it is the Carabao Cup and one of the games you just touched on Spurs versus Brentford this is Jose Mourinho's specialty maybe I, I don't know but his first season with Chelsea he won the Carabao in that time the Carling Cup his first season with United he won it as well and now I know this isn't his first season but it's his first full season with Tottenham Hotspur so it will be nice to see him in a final and from what I can tell Jose Mourinho does not lose finals so the only thing that's interesting about this is he's going up against another team and maybe we want to talk about that game and slide right into that one so United and City played in the semifinals and United were coming off great great form but Manchester City just you know turned it up into another level goals coming from John Stones and Fernandinho and really they controlled the entire game but I do want to talk for just a quick second about John Stones because he looked like a player that was out of City for the longest time given some of the center backs that they had signed and whatnot but he seemed to have rediscovered his mojo and it's interesting that I use the word mojo because I was watching the interview that happened at the end of the game where one of the interviewers asked Pep if he's got his mojo back and Pep thought he was asking about a player. And unfortunately, he was not asking about a player. He was just asking if they've got their feel, their legs, their performances back. And of course, they won it comfortably. And so it's going to be a Jose Mourinho versus a Pep Guardiola final, which is going to be brilliant because you've got the characters, you've got the personalities, you've got the players, and it should be fiery. It definitely should be. And you've got City, who haven't lost a Carabao Cup game in over four years now. And coincidentally, the last time they lost the game was to Jose Mourinho's Manchester United. You cannot write this. This this just kind of falls into place. This is wonderful to hear. It is. And so even though the final isn't until April for now... Uh, It's definitely going to be a fun, fun final and and a tactical final with two different styles coming together. Yeah, and last time Jose Mourinho played Pep in the Premier League, his tactics were spot on and pinched it two nails. So I, for one, I'm really excited to watch this. I hope that it gets to be, you know, free-flowing and high-scoring because you can see what Jose does with his counterattacking. You can see what Pep does with his style of football as well. So it'll make for a great final. Definitely. And just to go back on your John Stone question, I, you know, I think he's benefiting from having Ruben Diaz next to him. And overall, I think City themselves as, as a team and as a, as a club and as a unit have become a slightly more defensive team now I say that but I don't mean they just sit back and defend they still play their style but they're more solid defending together and that's benefiting John Stones that's benefiting Ruben Diaz obviously who's come in just this season and it's benefiting them as a whole where they're conceding a lot less and now they're finding their mojo back like you said and and going ahead and scoring a number of goals and and doing well yeah, and I think it's one of the things we've discussed, and we I don't want to get too hung up on this, but it's how a manager evolves over time as adversity comes into your face. We've talked about Pep is always free-flowing and high-scoring and doesn't care you know, necessarily about defending. But as you go to see, he's evolving and realizing, well, 
if I don't pay particular attention to defending and defending really well, other teams have figured out how to, and, and not all teams, of course, because Manchester City have been really, really successful in recent times, but other teams have figured out, Tottenham is a great example, how to get past our style of football. So if we can defend well and defend solid, we definitely have a platform to come off of. Definitely. So let's, right before we kind of wrap this up, I just want to do a quick preview for the Chelsea women's team game this weekend. And so the women's team is finally back after three weeks, almost four weeks. Uh, They had the Christmas break, but right before that, their game was canceled due to COVID. So the last game they played was on December the 16th in the Champions League against Benfica, where they won 3-0. And so they returned this weekend to play Reading uh, away from home at the Majeski Stadium. And Chelsea sit in third place in the FA Women's League uh, behind Manchester United and Arsenal. They've played two less games, but they've won six, drawn two, and lost none. So they're in some good form. And they face Reading, who are in sixth uh, place in the league, having won three, uh, lost three, and drawn four. So kind of an uh, uh, up and down season for Reading, but both teams come into this refreshed and ready to go from the Christmas break and it should be a good game. And actually these two teams met at the similar time last year. Uh, so right at the beginning of 2020 and Chelsea went on to win that game three, one with goals from Sam Kerr um, and Beth England. And so a good game, a good matchup. And I think, It'll be an exciting one to watch, and I, I believe it should be on NBCSN once again. So uh, for all our listeners out there, if you're looking for something to watch after the Chelsea game, the men's team game on Sunday morning, definitely tune into that one. Yeah, talking about Reading always brings back uh, bad memories for me because if you don't know, Petr Cech had an awful injury against Reading many, many years ago and actually led him to wearing his famous now hat. But aside from that, you know, Kudos to the women's team in great form, playing wonderfully. I really hope they continue in this form and get the win. Yeah, I hope so too. We'll we'll definitely keep an eye on that and, and report back in the next episode. So this week, since we've already done the Blast from the Past segment, we thought, why not talk about some transfer rumors? So it is the winter transfer window, as they call it. And there are rumors going around with all clubs. So we'll touch on a few. Obviously, some will be Chelsea-related because we are the premier Chels, but there are some other crazy ones going out there. So, Jackie, why don't we start off? So I hate January transfer windows because it just gets messy. Your player doesn't have a lot of time to settle, but you never know. It can end up being brilliant. We've signed some great players in, in January transfer windows, and they worked out nicely for us. But, you know, I've been reading around, and I always try to figure out what's going on and what's happening a man that's kind of been left out in the cold lately has been Dele Ali. So for anybody who doesn't know Dele Ali, he is or was one of Tottenham's best midfield players. Unfortunately, he just can't see the pitch today, whether it's because Jose doesn't fancy his style or he's not training well enough or whatever the case may be. But a certain Mauricio Pochettino has ended up at PSG and Mauricio Pochettino really, really loved Dele Ali. So keep an eye on that one. That might get interesting for a transfer, maybe even a loan, taking Dele out of his uh, horror season going on in Tottenham right now where he just can't get a game. 
and maybe re, you know, revitalize his career. And I think he's going to be looking for a move with the Euros coming up in the summer. So what are your thoughts on that one? Because that could be an interesting transfer. Yeah, it definitely could be an interesting transfer. And like you said, Deli Alley and Pochettino reuniting would be a good thing for both of them because they both benefited off of each other, you know, uh, when they were at Tottenham. And I think it's good for Deli Alley to go away and, and try something different. You don't see a lot of English players going abroad. Recently, we've seen a few youngsters going to Germany, but not some of the more established players, which Deli Ali is. And it would be a good move for him to play with Neymar and Mbappe and manage some of the expectations that PSG put and the fan base put on you by demanding the most and wanting to win the Champions League. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, sticking with PSG and another Mauricio Pochettino connection, I know this player doesn't play in the Premier League anymore, but I know Mauricio Pochettino fought really hard to keep him at Tottenham Hotspur. And this was Christian Eriksen, who was a wonderful servant for Tottenham Hotspur. For one reason or the other, he did not want to stay there anymore and has moved on since to Inter Milan. But for another weird reason, Inter Milan have determined he's surplus to requirement. And this might get interesting because PSG are... If they're looking at a player like Deli Ali, they're definitely looking at a player like Christian Eriksen just to fill that middle spot and free-flowing and attacking. So uh, keep your eyes on PSG. They have the money. They have the means. They're looking for players. This might get interesting. Why don't we move on to uh, Chelsea? What do you have for us, Rahul? Yeah, so Chelsea have a big squad. We've said that multiple times over the, the past few months. And so I think this is a perfect window to offload some of these guys. And so... I'll throw out some names to you. Just These are just outgoings, and we can talk about the one incoming that we've, we've heard of. But Danny Drinkwater is still at Chelsea. So I, he's definitely one that I think we should offload in, in this window. Another one that comes to mind is Alonso, who hasn't featured for the last three months. Uh, another one I think that may want to move away, even though he's played a little bit, is Rudiger. And then I think Emerson might might also attract some interest, especially from Italy. And then the last one I have on the list, and, and this one is, we'll definitely lose some money on, but it's Keppa. Whenever someone says Danny Drinkwater, I'm surprised that he still plays for us. But for some reason or the other, his name always pops up on this podcast for, unfortunately, for bad reasons sometimes. But I think he has to go. Nothing personal against the lad. He, it just hasn't worked. And he's kind of withering away, just sitting in the reserves or playing under 23 games. For himself and for Chelsea, I think he needs to move on. Now, whether someone puts in a suitable offer or he goes out on loan, it, it's really up to this man himself to revive his career. And he's not ancient. He's in his 30s. So he still has a good few years left in him, provided he wants to continue. So for me trying to find a way out would be brilliant for Danny Drinkwater. I don't see how Alonso and Emerson will both be allowed to leave. I honestly think that Lampard does like Emerson to a certain degree. So most likely Alonso will be, and I think Alonso wants out as well because he's just not played enough and he's not fitting into Lampard's system. Rudiger will not go in my opinion because he's now the third choice center back he would have to throw his arms in the air to get out of Chelsea at this point in time. Lampard's going to fight to keep signing a center back by any means. And I really don't know what to say about, about Kepa because 
the world's most expensive goalkeeper is not going to get the same return, not even going to get 50% of the return that we paid for him. I think maybe a loan or a two-year loan, if that can be worked out to maybe rebuild his confidence or show what he can do and then potentially get 70% of the money we paid for him or something like that. However, Lampard was also asked this on his interview today, and he was very coy about it. I repeat, he said Kepa has performed really well, has been a model professional around the grounds, and as a second, he might be okay, but we have to wait and watch, but only time will tell. Who else is coming into Chelsea then? Yeah, so those were the outgoings, and the only one that is is consistently been linked with us and and has some chance of coming in is Declan Rice from West Ham. But I, I'm not sure if West Ham would want to let him go mid-season, especially since they're having a pretty decent season. So I've actually read the same thing you have on Declan Rice, and I've read some interesting things about Declan Rice, so I'll throw those out there. I've heard that Giroud would want more game time. We've heard this for many seasons on repeat. I don't see how Giroud goes, but there's talk of Giroud for Declan Rice in some sort of swap plus cash deal, which to me personally doesn't make any sense because he is our most informed striker currently and always performs when called upon. The other interesting thing I've heard about Declan Rice is that it's going to be purchasing a defensive midfielder with the aim of converting him to a center back. And I can see how this is done when you're investing maybe below eight or 10 million pounds. But if you're talking about the money that has been thrown around here of upwards of 60 to 80 million pounds, why would you buy a central defensive midfielder at that value to convert him to a center back? So this is a good rumor because it keeps coming back and coming back and coming back. I completely agree with you. I don't think it's going to happen in January. So it might be a quiet January for Chelsea. In all honesty, we have a big squad. So maybe it's offloading some people to get some unhappy faces out and then just kind of build the morale from there and then revisit this in, in the summer. I agree. And, and if we spend any more money and don't perform on the field, that's just added pressure on Lampard and, and his uh, coaching squad. So I think you're right. Let's save rice for the summer and, and let's focus on, on what we've got and offloading some of these guys. Yeah. Another fun one I've heard is actually exits at Manchester United. Uh, Phil Jones is not really getting much game time as well as Jesse Lingard, who was actually a decent performer over the last few seasons for Manchester United. So maybe a loan to refresh their careers and kind of get some game time, especially again with the Euros coming up. Both are being linked to Newcastle United. So I think that's a good move for all parties involved. I don't know what are your thoughts on that one. I didn't even know Phil Jones was <laughs> still around. <laughs> No, I'm joking. I obviously knew he's part of Manchester United, but we haven't seen him in, I don't even know when his last game was, maybe a year ago. Right. And he's actually only 28. So the man has time to, to bounce back and rebuild his career. But I think injuries and, and, and other issues off the field have kind of stalled his career. And with, the man's at Manchester United, you can't just put in half decent performances. So I think maybe a move away and, and restarting and refreshing for Phil Jones, as well as Jesse Lingard may not be a bad idea. Yeah, for sure. I think it works out for all parties. Like I said, um, another interesting one I've heard, and I'll ask you a question who needs a center back this January transfer window. Chelsea. 
<laughs> Good one, Manova. The answer I was looking for is Liverpool, who are actually struggling with major injuries to Virgil van Dijk. We, we know that. And then Joe Gomez as well. There is a certain legend by the name of Sergio Ramos, who's being linked with Liverpool. Now, Sergio Ramos is up for contract renewal. That's not going to be signed just yet, or they're, you know, kind of going back and forth about the contract. From what I gather and some of the research I've done is he's looking for a two-year contract. Now he's up there in age, but he's still a model professional. He's still performing week in, week out. I know Zidane wants him, but it could be a good move for Liverpool. So we have to watch and see how this one plays out. I'm hearing fees around 10 to 15 million. I wonder how Salah feels about Ramos playing on the same team as him. <laughs> yeah, I've heard there's some animosity there, so it'll be interesting to see how that would work out. Yeah, and, and most of the Liverpool fans I've spoken to and I know hate Sergio Ramos. So if he ends up in, in a Liverpool shirt, it's going to be very interesting to see how their fans take it. Yeah, you know, stranger things have happened between Arsenal and Chelsea transfers. So I think when the player comes and pulls on the shirts and does a couple of good performances, all is forgiven. So that'd be interesting. Now, I heard you've got some information coming out of Manchester City for us. What do you have? Yes, so their star player, arguably, and for me, their best player, Kevin De Bruyne, is up for contract negotiation. And weirdly, or or for whatever reason, he's representing himself, which unheard of, but okay. And so he's negotiating with the city board, city management team, and, and they placed their first offer. And I said, weirdly, Kevin De Bruyne is negotiating on his own, but weirdly city for some magical reason decided to offer him lower wages than he's currently on. I think we need to cover some, some crazy rumors out there, but you never know. I heard that they're doing this because they're making budget room for a certain other player from La Liga, who is also negotiating contracts or at the end of their contract, which is Lionel Messi. How ridiculous would this be if he showed up? It, I mean, I, it would be ridiculous, but you don't offer your best player less money than he's on to tell him that, oh, but we're bringing Lionel Messi. He's going to be like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Am I not good enough for this team that you're going to bring Messi in? No, I get what you're saying. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Where does a player like Kevin De Bruyne go? If he doesn't sign with City, I think this will end up solving itself because Pep Guardiola loves Kevin De Bruyne. And I think Kevin De Bruyne has been settled and happy in Manchester for several years now. Um, maybe it's just kind of a little bit disrespectful from Manchester City. And I know we're in the in the day and the age where when you reach a certain age, which I think Kevin, Bruyne, De, Kevin De Bruyne just turned 30, if I'm not mistaken. And so they try to kind of reduce salaries and all that, but he's still in peak prime condition. And it would be interesting to see if, if they wouldn't get that one off the, over the finish line. Yeah. And the other thing is you don't have to negotiate with a, an agent who usually ends up taking some of the money that is on the table. So for them to even think of, oh, let's go lower seems right. It's just crazy. But I'm sure they'll, they'll figure it out and, and he'll end up with the, with the raise, which he really deserves. Yeah, for sure. And so the last one isn't a player, but it's it's a manager that is being linked 
to a position in the MLS. And so David Beckham's Inter-Miami have recently just fired their manager. And the rumors are Phil Neville, David Beckham's ex-teammate from Manchester United, is going to be the new manager at Inter-Miami. What are your thoughts on that? So what were they, the class of 92 together that came through at Manchester United? Phil Neville has been okay as a manager. He's not definitely caught my eye or stolen any massive props, but this could be something good. I think Beckham has a vision and he has his mindset of how he wants his team to play. And and as a, as a friend of Phil Neville, it might work out, but you and I both know when owners interfere with management, it doesn't always work out. So... I think it could be good provided Beckham allows Phil the opportunity to manage the team and build it the way, maybe they talk about a vision, but build it the way he wants. But I think it could work out for everybody. Yeah. My, my only thing with this is Neville's never really coached in America and his last job was with the England women's team. And I think they finished fourth in the World Cup, which, you know, no, no disrespect to that that finish, but he just hasn't really been involved in much more beyond that. He was part of Gary Neville's coaching squad when he went to Valencia, and we know how that ended. So I, I don't know. It, it doesn't sit right with me that an opportunity from an American or another upcoming coach is being taken away just because David Beckham and Phil Neville are buddies and, and know each other. Yeah, I think that's a fair argument. There's no there's no arguing on that point that they might be more qualified coaches, but at risk of shooting myself in the foot, Chelsea took a chance on Frank Lampard and and here we are. So it's one of those things where I say let's take a take a look and see what happens. You're yeah, you're right. I can't really argue against that, but I mean, I can, but I don't get into it right now. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. And it'll be interesting to see Phil Neville coaching Gonzalo Higuain. <laughs> For sure. But that, that wraps it up. It's been a fun episode once again. Uh, a different episode covering FA Cup and, and the Carabao Cup and the transfer rumors. And so I hope our listeners enjoyed it. And we'll, we'll love hearing from you and in, in, uh, getting some feedback on that. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. It's at the Premier Chels and, and shoot us a message and, and download our episodes, leave, leave us a review. And we'll get back to you uh, early next week with a, a, an FA Cup review and then we'll go back right into the Premier League. So thank you guys. Thank you all. Bye. <laughs>